This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, today, uh, I thought for a second there I was going to talk about Solo. Solo. <laughs> uh, but uh, I, I'm not. I actually have at least one guest who was <laughs> brave enough to come into the monkey cage today, and we will talk about Solo, a Star Wars story, and a little postscript on some uh, Avengers Infinity War follow-up. Ooh, it's a tease. Here we are. Not solo, but duo. Duo. Uh, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Larry Morgan here along with uh, writer, producer, showrunner, uh, uh, raconteur, broadcaster, <laughs> uh, man about town. Uh, how can we describe you in more glowing terms? Trey Calloway is with us, everyone. Hello, Larry Morgan, and greetings, snarkophiles. Uh, now, we had literally every other uh, snarker bail on us. Um, right. If anyone caught the episode with Avengers Infinity War, uh, we did talk about how this might be the next movie where we all get together. And in particular, the great Jason E. Kelly uh, put his foot down, just literally said, I ain't going to that. I mean, I think that was exactly what he said. And and he just he was not in. He was. And uh, he also had some insight because much like you, Trey, he is an industry insider. Mm, wow. And he had heard particularly negative things. And he just didn't want to go through that. And just this week, I almost convinced him to go see it and join us today and his my favorite text is he sent back he said well i'll just go just uh, so i can come and tell you how good the black guy was <laughs> which by the way which is true jason accurate <laughs> but uh trey and i did see the movie uh, we did indeed because uh, you should never even if you're in the industry and you're hearing the internal chatter you should still go and make up your mind for yourself well let's start with that because that literally is the backdrop of this movie from Go, because when it was first announced, um, any kind of trepidation about the fact that they were doing an origin story for a beloved character, there was at least some kind of positive reaction because of the creative team they assembled, mm-hmm. which and those guys are. Uh, the, Lord the two Miller. directors, yeah, uh, who were replaced by uh, Ron. Ron Howard. <laughs> yes, um, those two guys were uh, uh, Phil Lord and Christopher Miller. Yeah, Lord and Miller. Yeah, I, I like to call them Lord and Miller because it sounds like uh, the name of a, a high end like linen company. Yeah. Or something. <laughs> Lord and Miller towels. By the way, yes, today we're sponsored by Lord and Miller. <laughs> 800 thread count sheets. Yeah. <laughs> you want comfy sheets but at a great price? Lord and Miller right now. Use code SNARK. 
Um, yes, uh, those two guys, uh, and they then were, ultimately the, Ron Howard. They were the Lego guys. Yeah, and I still don't get how that works. By the way, I really want somebody to explain to me how two guys direct three quarters of a movie, and then Ron Howard, great as he is, comes in, takes over, and then gets sole credit. Like that's a really interesting. Well, I think from one inside story I heard is that they were required or allowed or whatever to actually view the film mm-hmm. in order to determine whether they wanted to press for credit I see. either okay, with yeah. the script or directing i don't yeah. know with with and i think the the guilds or whatever basically let them you know they they were going to jockey for position on that right and Again, this may be apocryphal, but apparently they were like, now we're good. (laughs) (laughs) Don't don't need to go there. Um, So let's start with that because the guys that were literally, like you said, three quarters of the movie was principal photography, I think, was done, wasn't it, Mm -hmm. for the most part, Mm -hmm. except for, you know, effects and things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And and what what came back was the tone was all wonky. Right. And uh, and I take from that that they were playing it more for laughs, more as a comedy, or more as um, not a, not a parody necessarily, but kind of playing on its own mythos in a way that was maybe a little too cutesy for the Star Wars intelligentsia the, mm. the 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 muckety mucks the big wigs who actually own the franchise right we need to take ourselves much more seriously <laughs> and and not that the end result is necessarily some sort of stately stage no it's certainly film. not humorless no uh and i also feel like in the process of watching the movie i see moments that were maybe leftovers because they do have mm-hmm. a little bit of uh wackiness that maybe yeah, they kept in. Yeah, it gets a little kooky at times. So, so let, getting past that, though, uh, uh, so this movie just arrived with a big old stank on it because of that, and I think that it probably is one of the reasons a lot of people are staying away. Do you agree? Or, or do or is it just one of those things people don't need this? Is that? I, I, I mean, I look. I, I think there's a, ver- a variety of factors. I mean, first, I, I should start by saying I enjoyed it. I enjoyed myself. Yeah, we should probably start there, and I will agree. I. Probably going in with low expectations because of the baggage, I ended up having a really good time. Yeah, I yeah. mean, I, it's definitely a, a, it's an experience in which I would say I was really glad I saw it. I wouldn't see it again. Yeah, uh, it was entertaining, but it was unsurprising. Right, um, and it kept it kept my attention. I yes. stayed awake. Yeah. And by the way, I can't help but compare this movie to Rogue One. Because they are these kind of outlier Star Wars stories, Correct. which we can probably expect for years to come, mm-hmm. uh, creating things that aren't necessarily directly in the timeline of the original saga. Right. Um, and they don't Ro- hurt what you know, but they take you on a little ride right. for a couple of hours. And Rogue One, I I was very bored by, mm-hmm. and and even in hindsight, I watched it again just to make sure I maybe just wasn't... No, no, that uh, was legit. Yeah, I, it, w- it wasn't great. Mm-hmm. And uh, I found myself infinitely more engaged... I also believe that I got I, – I, I certainly wasn't moved in any sort of kind of emotional way the way, say, Force Awakens uh, you know, pulled all the right strings. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I will probably have completely forgotten the plot of this thing within a couple of days. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was a basic heist movie plot. It's yeah. not It's not terribly memorable in that regard. It's, it's really just about, you know, revisiting – or, or not revisiting, but being able to establish origin stories for beloved characters and and objects 
and objects. That's right. <laughs> if you uh, really, really wanted to know where Han got his blaster, you find out. <laughs> uh, you want to know how many capes Lando has. That's right. You kind of get an impression you of You interested it. in those uh, rearview mirror dice. Yeah, whatever. So yeah. If, if you want to see a swashbuckling space western heist movie, which, by the way, as a pitch... If I, yeah. somebody had said that to I, me... I, I'd go see that. Yeah, right? Yeah, without, without the Han Solo of it all. And that's kind of what you get. I mean, there is... The depth only goes so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, as an origin story, we only get hints of the character's upbringing or childhood. Just yeah. touches of it. Yeah, barely. Um, and the love story was probably the one thing that I felt like bogged everything down. Yeah, it was rough because it felt so legitimate... Uh, I mean, in lowercase <laughs> quotes, it felt it felt authentic uh, in the beginning, um, just in terms of his his you know Hans uh, uh, emotional Sturm and Drang. At, 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 if I'm am I am I are we in spoiler mode? <laughs> I, I think uh, oh, okay. yeah. You know, this movie doesn't. There's not a lot that we are going to shock people with. You know, there's no big reveals except kind of one. Yeah. There's one big reveal. Yeah, that's that's, true. that's that's only semi fun. It's got it the re- one big reveal in this movie is indicative of what this movie is about, which is there's a mild gasp and you go, "Oh, that character. Yeah. Well, that's cool." Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's about it. That's about it. So, and yeah, let's just uh, get into the spoiler. I mean, I just was just going to say like the it does feel like an authentic emotional connection between Han and Kira in the in the beginning. Um, but then when we catch back up with her a little bit later, I I don't like the circumstances in which we catch back up with her. It all seems to just, given the gravity of their separation in the beginning, all of a sudden she just kind of shows up and and we kind of half acknowledge it. And I'm, yeah, that that relationship and and where she stands with it which apparently was only three years later and the we don't really get the full story of why her circumstances change right. I mean, when we first let's let's kind of go through it it's not plot by point by plot point, yeah, but yeah, yeah. first section is basically uh, uh home planet it's a it's a it's a shipyard i mm-hmm, mean here's mm-hmm. one thing i do like about this movie is that there was a lot of ground level stuff yeah. there was a lot which also kind of makes you, it's kind of like the marvel universe on netflix which that's is, right that's we're, right we're seeing things with where stakes are not as high it's not the fate of the universe and it's also we're kind of down and, and dirty in yeah it's thing. gritty it's edgy it's what you would hope for in terms of atmospherics uh, yep. from Han Solo's past. So basically we start out with Han uh, essentially living in uh, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away in in a, a, a Oliver Twist-like setting <laughs> in space. Mm-hmm. There's uh, uh, Corella, the shipbuilding world of Corella. Yes. And so it's... Uh, or Corellia or something like that. So it's thefts and pickpockets and, you know, kind of exactly what you would expect. And a bunch of orphans hanging Orphan out. Orphan kids, yeah. With a, uh, a a big, giant, Linda Hunt-voiced uh, Fagin. <laughs> <laughs> Am I getting that right? Yes. Uh, <laughs> Fagin the centipede. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. I guess that's what that is. Um, and uh, they escape, though, because they're uh, their life is uh, has got to be better anywhere else in this nasty place. Yes, and they're in love, and he's a rakish, 
uh, you know, ne'er do well, but with a heart of gold, mm-hmm. and they're going to head off to a better life, and they get separated. It doesn't work out, but he's you know he's definitely devastated by that, and it's a prime motivator for him to to eventually get a ship and get back to her. Yeah, and so uh, enlists in the Imperial Navy, mm-hmm. which we see none of that. No, you're on a planet called Mimban or something like that. And, uh, yeah, and he it's... fails in his quest to be a pilot. And then we have something I've, we've never quite seen before, mm. this kind of really like hand-to-hand combat space battle scene. Yes, it was. It's really I think, intense. Yeah, it was the Saving Private Ryan moment. Yeah, of, that's uh, what it's exactly right. Of Star Wars. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, cool, but cool. Definitely like brutal combat, uh, and the sense. The thing that I did like about that too, aside from the visuals, was the sense that we are fighting a losing battle. Yes, was was cool. And uh, in the process, definitely realizes he's on the wrong side. Mm-hmm. Uh, takes up with a another band of roguish ne'er do wells, who it turns out to be more criminals than than fighters uh, with a cause. Uh, they are running from. What amounts to the organized crime of the galaxy. And right. They are led. This group is led by uh, Woody Harrelson's character of Tobias Beckett. And we got uh, Tandy Newton in and there. Tandy Newton as well. And uh, and the voice of John Favreau. That's right. Yeah. As uh, whoever that uh, wacky pilot character the is. The multi-armed uh, <laughs> Rio. Rio. What did you feel about this section uh, teaming up with this, this group? Look, I mean, uh, I... I liked the notion of Han being a part of, uh, you know, a group of, you know, uh, two-bit criminal ne'er-do-wells. Uh, I thought that's cool. Um, I I like Woody Harrelson. Yeah. Uh, I really like him in some of the things that he's done in his career, but I feel like he was sort of playing a stock character that I've seen him play and uh, and may perhaps unhealthy number of times now. That is exactly how I was feeling. It's like you could have found so many great character actors to be that guy. Yeah. You know, pick anybody out of the, uh, you know, secondary cast of Walking Dead over the years. Yeah, and yeah, plug, exactly. You know, plug in a great character actor there because we're seeing Hunger Games Woody. We're see- I mean, we, we've we seen big mm. tentpole movie Woody mm-hmm. before. This is Woody with a funky haircut, but it's still Woody. <laughs> By the way, tentpole Woody. Is- <laughs> I haven't said that since my wedding night. Uh, <laughs> anyway. Oh, those were the days. Um, but also, it, it, that's the other thing about some of these movies. When you start casting familiar too many familiar faces mm-hmm. like tandy newton i went oh you know you spend a little too much time going oh or who is that voice yeah or, exactly um anyway so we get through that period also we meet uh well han meets chewbacca yeah which time. was one of my favorite parts of the film uh, that that the the origin story there of him being thrown into a pit with a beast, the, yeah. the beast as they called it, um, and uh, being left for dead in that process. But then the two characters of Han and Chewie having to recognize that they were their own salvation uh, and having to team up from the get-go was yeah. just great. The visuals were great and the action was great and it was just fun. Big, nasty, muddy. <clears throat> literally, you could almost smell big, wet, muddy Chewie. <laughs> through the screen it was that was beautifully done and uh, although i do have one question is there anything in star wars canon that says uh 
Wookiees eat people. <laughs> because no, no, I I literally just I I thought that same thing on the fly, but on the fly I just sold it to myself as he's really hungry. Yeah, they haven't fed him. He's got to do something. So yeah, so he'll resort to interspecies cannibalism if he has to survive. To, to survive. Okay, yeah. all right, all right. I, that's I was trying to convince myself of that too. I didn't. <laughs> no, no, get, it's it's touchy. I didn't want to get too caught up in that. <laughs> uh, so they bond. They become part of the ragtag team. They become part of a heist, and then it comes to what essentially, unfortunately, for the movie, is probably the best part of the movie. Uh, I think, and that is the train. The, the train is fantastic. That the, whole section. I, it, to me, it never lives up to that sequence, which I found myself. I did not see it in 3D. I saw it yeah, in, same. in flat screen. Same. And I, I remember thinking this visually and pacing wise, one, it was different than anything I had ever seen in these movies. Yeah. It was a a lot of the sections of this movie are in ways kind of throwbacks to familiar genres and tropes yeah. of of heists and yeah, things yeah, like right, that. I mean, right. literally, we get the sting later on. Yeah, exactly. You know? um, but uh, I thought this was a really inventive and exciting and and tension filled moment. Yeah, and I don't know if it was because I knew that Lawrence Kasdan and his son Jonathan had written uh, this particular film, but that whole sequence to me. Uh, again, in part because of the visuals, it was set in sort of snow-covered Alps-like yes. territory. But it 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 recalled Empire Strikes Back for me. Well, in I, a lot of gritty, intensely cool ways. And that is the movie where I think, and, and, and why I think it was a good choice to have the Kasdans involved because Empire is really the one where I mean Han was developed by Lucas in that first movie, and the character is imprinted, but mm. but. The one we really got to know and love is in Empire. Yeah, that's right. That's and right. and I thought that was a good choice. Yeah, super cool. Just but really, really not just great um, visuals, but also you know great uh, moment of uh, <clears throat> emotional challenge for for Han to have to literally you know slip into the pilot seat when shit starts to go sideways. Yeah, he's full of hubris and and you know confidence, but he's not really shown anybody what he says he can do that's yet. right that's right and uh, and you know with a, a few fits and starts he actually does kind of kind of come through that's right that's uh right. even though he uh he muffs it in the end <laughs> to save you know everybody but for a greater good yes, yes exactly yeah. but i did, honestly loved that sequence i that i was so in to the movie at that point that mm-hmm. i was like you know what they're gonna win me over mm-hmm. and even mm-hmm. if it, it falls off the cliff at this point ah, no, literally, literally. Uh, and then it kind of did I mean, you know it never really lived up to that although there was plenty to like in the rest of the movie so mm-hmm. anyway we end up, that's when we end up meeting um, the guy that's not um, originally who was the original cast oh shoot I'm forgetting all the characters and all the people which, uh, uh, which the, part are we talking the about the big bad guy Oh, oh, we that guy. Big bad guy. Uh, yes, uh, uh, Dryden Voss, right? Ah, uh, yes. Leader of the Crimson Dawn. Um, now, he was originally... That that was a role that was completely changed. Yeah. And it's... Uh, I, I, once again, it's another familiar face. And it's like, oh, it's Vision. Yeah. Um, and that was a, another one that kind of stuck out to me is... Uh, why, why, why throw him in there? And it's also where Kira just... You know, not that long into the movie and not that long in the timeline, as you say, only yeah. three years later. Like, it's where Kira just shows up. Now, now, let me be clear. I thought she was delicious to look at. Uh, she was really talented. Amelia uh, Clark. Yeah. And um, yeah. 
and I, I had been a fan of hers in Game of Thrones and a variety of other things. But like, it's just that it's the sole motivator for Han up to that point. Like, I just want to get a ship and I want to get back to Kira and I want to take care of her. And then she's suddenly there and they're just in a in a fancy the equivalent of a fancy yacht, what they literally call a yacht, and uh, and space yacht, space yacht Put with space co- in front of everything that's, that's familiar, right. and you've that's got right. it. Space yacht with cocktails, and uh, and but it was just like, huh. like there was there's been this big build. And this is so important to me, and huh, now we can just have cocktails and banter. Yeah, and it was weird, and and also like you say, we will probably you know we don't have to keep harping on this, but that relationship. Um, I felt like if we should have seen a little bit more of their connection show up at that point, yeah. she seems so cold and so cut off from him um, where that didn't seem authentic. At That's all. right. That's right. Um, so uh, here it is. Paul Bettany was uh, he replaced uh, Dryden Voss, Michael K. Williams. Oh, that's right, Michael K. Williams. Now, that would have been a very interesting, different mm-hmm, casting. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of curious what that would have looked like. Yeah. But we'll never know. Unless it's somewhere and they'll release Yeah, so it. Dryden Voss is the boss man, and they've failed to steal this coaxium that uh, he was expecting. And now, you know, Tobias and his, uh, and his posse have got to make good on that or yeah. die. And... Uh, Voss has a very uh, – he's got an anger issue and a really rough case of rosacea. Yeah, really bad. Um, like really yeah, needs his to complexion get some work. is terrible. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, one thing I did notice and that it started to flare up, so to speak, uh, when we see Voss is that we see people die on a much more kind of close-up hand – on hand level here. Mm. I mean, mm-hmm. I know I've, we've seen Darth Vader choke a guy, yeah, but yeah, even yeah. that kind of doesn't seem as brutal as what this guy does with his, uh, uh, I don't know, uh, whatever his dagger, his uh, yeah, l- laser blade, laser laser blade. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> which uh, which uh, also is my uh, 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 favorite Marvel character, laser blade. <laughs> um, so anyway, where do we go from there, Trey? Uh, from there, then we got to get a ship uh, because yes. we're going to go after the some coaxium that's unmined, and that's what gets us to uh, the great reveal of uh, the person who owns the ship that we could use, yes. and that would be Lando Calrissian. Finally, um, yeah, uh, yeah. It took and us a little too long to get to Lando. It for did. My money. It did. But a great reveal of Donald Glover uh, mm-hmm. as Lando Calrissian. He was one of my favorite parts of the entire film um he's just he's he's fun he's funny we meet him cheating at cards uh uh, a game called sabak and um (laughs) and it it was fun for me because you know i'm doing this uh this arnold schwarzenegger western with amazon and i've done a lot of research into card cheating of the 19th century and there was there's a there is a device which they have completely stolen uh for solo uh it was called the the keplinger holdout machine oh my god it has a name yeah keplinger holdout machine and the ironically the, the the criminal who was behind it keplinger applied for kept applying for patents for this thing because uh, he really wanted to make money on <laughs> on cheating um but yeah the uh, lando calrissian is essentially palming cards using this device and uh, um but it's just a really fun reveal of him i also love glover's he's got sort of a pansexual 
vibe, which is great. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, he's yeah, we learn a little bit later. He doesn't care who he has a relationship with. Yeah. He is very open. Yeah, You're that's right. right. Yeah. Uh, and that's maybe the weirdest part. But I think it's super movie. cool, though. It's no. he's just he, he he what he's just in. He is a consistently seductive presence. Yeah, and we can talk more about performances uh, as a whole as we g- move on later. But yeah. it, he does essentially personify the vibe of Billy D in a way that's not straight impression or parody. Yeah. But completely picks up the rhythm of it. Agreed. And you clearly can see, and he has said in interviews, it was like the only role he's ever wanted to play this badly, <laughs> which is surprising because he doesn't seem, but, it, you know, he is a pop culture kid for sure. Yeah. And he clearly embraced this in a way that said, I am going to do all sorts of justice to what Billy D did and not parody and not play it off and he embodies that vibe so beautifully yeah, he's so talented the only yeah. problem i had is i kept i can't i did at certain points keep expecting him to just start randomly shooting aliens and say this is america um <laughs> because he is been, very high profile oh my right god now. yeah but he's so good yeah. so yeah so that 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 Dude was a can cool do part anything. i and i there is was a point at which i was like ah, i wish i'd seen a lando origin movie but yeah there's been talk about that okay yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well we'll see mm. anyway we get the big reveal of the millennium falcon i expected to be a little bit more uh <gasps> at that point and i don't know know why i was so underwhelmed when that happened a little bit i was too maybe part of it is because we got some big bang for our buck there uh in the last uh the last couple of pictures but i well force yeah force awakens uh gave me that when han and chewy get it back yeah right and that was a beautifully i just think i don't think that moment was executed quite I don't think well. so either. I would also – I have a critique uh, in terms of the visual effects here because there's some odd physics going on at work with the Millennium Falcon. <laughs> there's a lot of times Uh-oh. when you'll see it. And okay. It, and Warning. The, We're getting into nerd territory. I know. I'm sorry. Big time but, now. But come on. Nope, we are literally it. two guys talking about Solo, a Star Wars story. Um, I'm trying to distance myself from yeah, the yeah. next part. No, no. It's just that uh, it, the, the, it's, it seems to change shapes a lot sometimes oh. it's really thin sometimes it's the classic big bulky uh millennium falcon oh, sometimes it seems longer than it than it does it's just it's strange i didn't pick up on that yeah oh, okay maybe it's just me all right uh we do get introduced to uh, outside of lando uh, my favorite new character and 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 this is a little bit stock because every m- uh, one of these movies seems to introduce the new funny droid character. Sassy robot. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but This is a cool one. Phoebe Waller-Bridge, first of all, uh, in all deference to uh, Donald Glover, who can do everything great, Phoebe Waller-Bridge is also a force of nature herself. Yeah. She yeah. created an incredible Amazon show called, I mean, it's Am- it's a BBC show or a British show, mm-hmm. called uh, Fleabag, which yeah. is incredible. Yeah, She's really currently uh, not acting in, but uh, as a producer and writer on a show that's getting tons of buzz called Killing Eve, yeah, on, right. which is available on BBC America, and I highly recommend it. Yeah. Um, her presence is very much felt there, and that is a very different, intense show. And she, I did not know she was voicing a character. I thought she was actually going to be a live, you know, humanoid mm-hmm. character in mm-hmm. this thing. And then when I heard her voice and saw I, I, her physicality is still there because she's a very tall 
woman. Yeah. Right. And so uh, clearly she was I, – I'm guessing she was motion captured. Uh, I guess. This. I got to do some homework on this because it was really lifelike. That that droid could just as easily have been, you know, the sort of C-3PO classic suit yeah. model. It had a specific gait to it that was a great combination of kind of a, 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 a woman of her size. I mean, she's very uh-huh. tall. Yeah, yeah. Who is – kind of trying to hold herself a certain way but also this kind of robotic move at the same time i mean it was if she did mocap she did that beautifully yeah and then the character they created which i like to think she had some input into yeah, because yeah. she's so freaking brilliant yeah she is this is a very i, I listened to another podcast who described her as uh, a very woke droid <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly it she is a droid empowered uh presence who has this great attitude, and I thought that was written really well. It I was. thought that was a great conceit. No, L337 or just L3, like L3 has had it up to here yeah. with feeling subservient, with feeling, you know, uh, like an other, and, uh, and, and then ultimately instigates a riot. Uh, once we get to the mines, right. at, uh, <laughs> and 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 it's great and uh, really really strong and and also um, there's a there's a really fun genuine sort of husband wife boyfriend girlfriend connection between her and uh, and Lando very unexpected and from my money and look I'm trying to be as open and gender fluid as I can possibly be. Uh, with uh, other people's relationships, but I was uncomfortable. <laughs> you were uncomfortable? Yes. Why? Uh, Mandroid love. I mean, it's a very slippery slope, oh, Trey. Man. Come on. You it's can't... a very slip. Next thing you know, we'll, <laughs> we'll be, you know, shacking up with tauntauns, okay? Like that's a problem. Like that's a problem, man. And I don't mean just getting inside them, if you know what I mean. Thank you. I'm so proud of that. Well, you heard the one about the guy who had sex with his tailpipe. It was exhausting. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. Anyway, um, uh, I thought that was super, super cool, uh, that particular aspect of it. And I also love the sort of girlfriend moment between – or girlfriend's moment between Kira and uh, and L3 – uh, just sort of talking about uh, oh yes yes h- how that might work the r- relationship between Glover and uh, Lando and but much Eldrin. like Rogue One um, we uh, who uh, in Rogue One we lost my favorite droid character uh, very yeah. way earlier than I think you should yeah um, I'm not really sure why they're you know developing these really intricate wonderful characters now clearly droids can be rebuilt and brought correct. back and That's we've seen that happen That's yeah. fine. Uh, Although I did, I did think it was a missed opportunity later when L three had passed, but then they worked her brain into the mainframe of the Millennium Falcon. I thought, well, why don't we hear from her? I still? thought that that was going to come back, yeah. but that's because the Millennium Falcon has never talked before. I know, so I guess we can't. Yeah, yeah, we could have, but we can. But but we have her navigation system, and I uh, sense that her personality and soul is in there somewhere and maybe it can be recreated down the line yeah although so now we're getting into a section that i really did not enjoy where i found myself tapping my foot in the theater and uh checking my watch you know the and which is unfortunate because there had they had been laying pipe for for a little while in the movie about the kessel run and we know that that's a big part of you know han solo's bragging rights backstory and um and so when we finally then made this 
this infamous Kessel Run, I, I was bored. Yeah. I felt visually like it's stuff that I'd seen before. It was all taking too long. Well, it's funny you say that because for something that Han brags about having been done faster than anyone's done it, mm-hmm. it was the longest yeah. section of the movie. Yeah, that's where we needed the pacing from that earlier train heist, you know. Totally. We really wanted to feel that kind of intensity and pacing and and this one took forever plus we had another sort of ND giant uh, octopus creature. Yeah. It was kind of boring. It again. was I mean we had literally a, a just kind of an early a, a different more elaborate version of the asteroid belt yeah, with yeah, yeah. the the giant worm tummy. Yeah. I mean, it was kind of just, just like bigger and more blown out. It just felt a little uninspired, and I say that as somebody who has full appreciation for the horrors uh, that must have been involved of staring at a blank computer screen and going, "Well, what hasn't been done?" <laughs> well, that's the thing. I mean, I, where this the trap this movie fell into, which is where admittedly both Rogue One and Force Awakens fell into the trap of what we've already established is big giant weapon have to blow it up yeah, I, and yeah, and yeah. seen it seen it seen it seen it yeah, seen it yeah. so i thought this movie at least was avoiding most of the we've seen that before True. and that was for sure the millennium falcon trying to avoid stuff and slip through you know tiny cracks and all that stuff yes i guess han had to learn that at some point to mm-hmm. show that he ended up having that confidence later on mm-hmm. but they could have tightened that by a good, what, 10 minutes? Yeah, and easily. we could have been in and out of there. Easily, because then it would have helped me be more patient when we got into the uh, the double-crossing phase. The sting. Oh, yeah, the space exactly. Sting. Here's a double-cross. No, here's a double-cross. No, he's double-crossing her. No, she's double-crossing. I was like, okay, this is a martini with eight olives in it. <laughs> <laughs> so our marauders, uh, uh, let's get to that. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, how do we feel about our uh, – I, I've forgotten all the names at this I, point. I, uh, uh, Enfys Nest? En- Enfys? Enf- yeah, I don't that, know. The, the point is, I started to just get confused. Yeah. I was like, wait. Oh. We've introduced another set of characters that aren't who they we think they are, because we originally had just faceless marauders. I would have been totally happy with that. Right, right. Like sand people. It's right. Like, I don't need to know sand people's backstory. Right. Please don't do... Sand people, a Star Wars story. That's correct. Or, <laughs> I don't need it. Or uh, Jawas, maybe. Or, I'd watch Jawas. Or Ewok, the series. <laughs> no, that no. I, no, that no. shouldn't be. Nope. Um, but yeah, it, it was not just that there were sort of all these revealed double crosses. It was also like multiple layers of of characters anticipating deception. Yes. So I, I knew you were going to screw me, so I screwed you first. Yeah, I and, told you never to trust anybody. Yeah, well, I didn't. Yeah. And I don't trust you either. <laughs> and I'm never going to trust you again. It was a lot of that yeah. um, that I kind of got uh, I got a little bored and tired of. Yeah. I mean, even uh, again, I, I liked – the the fact that there was this kind of and again ground level you know switcheroo thing mm-hmm. but take two elements out of that and just and just make it keep it simple yeah. keep, you know keep it tight keep it concise mm-hmm. and I'll mm-hmm. be okay with that we don't got to go back and forth and now oh, we hid the coaxium over here mm-hmm. or whatever mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah um so that's where it kind of started to f- well not start but it's where it did fall apart for me or when I found myself restless mm-hmm. and then right about that time is when as you alluded to earlier you sort of have this you know character ah moment yeah uh, well when- let's say uh, we're we're going to this is 
if there is a big spoiler moment, this is it. So if you're going to get really frustrated at us, if you're not already. Mm. Uh, but it's Darth Maul. It's Darth Maul. It turns out that Voss is not the big boss. Mm. Voss? Boss? I just realized that. That's cute. Uh, <laughs> uh, behind it all is Darth Maul. Mm-hmm. Now tell me... All I could think about in that moment is I'm racing through the timeline. Uh, yeah, don't do that. Um, I'm like, wait, wait, hold, whoa, 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 whoa. We first meet Darth Maul in Phantom Menace. Yeah. He is also great character that's dispatched much too soon. Uh-huh. Um, they cut his time in half. Mm-hmm. I see. In, the yeah. fir- in that yeah. episode, cut, it, cut his time in half. Yeah. You get that? Mm, I get it. Yeah. yeah. It's not good, but I get it. No, it's good. <laughs> Um, so, but, so this seems to me just fan service. Like, people yeah. have been bitching for years that they killed off one of the great villains that right. never how got a chance to do How do we get Darth Maul develop. back? Well, here's how. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it was cool. I mean, I did kind of get a kick out of it. It was kind of like seeing the Red Skull in Avengers Infinity. I don't want to bring but, that up right now. <laughs> yeah, but on the timeline, so he's, he's older here. Right. Than when we last saw him. What? That would be right. He, he's but, older here. Okay. But we did see him get cut in half, didn't we? Yeah. If Yeah. Right? So that wouldn't that's make sense. That's my joke. Just my, that's no, no, my I, hilarious Star Wars no, no, joke. I know. I'm just trying to make sense of it. Right? It, it doesn't. I mean, that's, I, I, I mean, somebody may be way more geeky than us. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. It's Darth- the future. They could have put him back together again. <laughs> it's possible. They do have the technology. They do have that Maybe technology. Maybe he went to Wakanda and uh, <laughs> they were able to zip him right up. Um, so that's a, a fun little reveal, I guess. Um, it, it does have a moment of like, oh, that's cool to see him again. But then what it means, I don't know. And no. whether that means anything in the future, since these are should be standalone Stand-alone, movies. That's right. Yeah. I mean, so so from that point, then uh, then all the double crossings revealed, and and ultimately you get to a point where oh, and in the middle of all that, Lando takes off with the Millennium Falcon, which looks completely unflyable. So I don't <laughs> quite understand how that worked, but anyway, he takes off, and then and then we finally get uh, to go. Um, Play the end of it and uh, have another Han, stingy moment. Yeah, have Han and Chewie track him down mm-hmm. uh, and uh, and win win the Millennium Falcon back. All right. So um, the end. The end. And uh, no tag scenes, as far as I know. No, there were none. Okay, zero. Uh, you kind of expect it now every time you go to a big movie uh, to a point that it's completely annoying. And yeah. I've now just started walking out as I did in Infinity Wars in protest. Yeah. I'm not waiting for that. Show. And what? And and watch it on YouTube. Like that's a, right. A, an hour later. Mm-hmm. So what did we like? Uh, I I talked about the the train sequence. It comes way too early to be a highlight uh, because nothing. Thing quite lives up to it at that point, including the Kessel Run. Um, uh, the one out, outside of kind of the mild gasp of Darth Maul's reveal, the one moment in my theater that got the biggest reaction was Chewie sitting down in the co-pilot seat. Yeah. That got a great little, yeah. oh, yeah. yeah. Um, but not enough of those. Not, you know, if you're going to do, I mean, this movie really was kind of playing to a couple of masters. It's, um, you know, it's a fan service movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I would never recommend this as a. Oh, you're not into Star Wars? Go see and this. You've never love seen it. any of them? Yeah, yeah no, no. I don't no. know that I would recommend it from that standpoint. I mean, it could just as an action movie stand on its own if it was. If we didn't know anything about Han Solo, 
maybe there'd be enough to recommend it just as a kind of fun action ride or whatever. Yeah, maybe. Um, it gets it, it loses, like we said earlier, it loses that pacing though, yeah. at a certain point. Um, but, but yeah, in the list of likes, uh, the 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 Han Chewbacca origin story was cool. The train heist was cool. L three is great. Lando Calrissian with Donald Glover's performance is great. I really liked Kira. Um, although I didn't like the the emotional right. uh, construction of their relationship, I liked her. All right. Uh, uh, in, in terms of uh, the downside, uh, pacing issues we talked about, I mm-hmm. do feel like there is definitely uh, some shifts in tone that I feel were ha- must be attributed to leftover sequences from Lord and Miller, mm-hmm. um, where there are some a couple of wacky lines and a couple of you know slightly. I mean, right, look. Ron Howard is a good director. It's phenomenal. He is one of those guys. I I, I would not use phenomenal. He's I think Ron Howard. I, man. He's Ron Howard. He's solid, but he is not a stylist. I mean, one no, thing no, no. one thing he doesn't do is that if you watched a movie, you wouldn't go, oh, this That's is a, a Ron, Ron Howard, Howard movie, yeah, unless yeah. you saw the credit right up front. Yeah. Uh, having said that, he he kept this movie on the tracks. Mm-hmm. Oh God, I just can't help. You can't. There's no off on the well, genius. Just, you're switch, so good man. at it. I know. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he maintained a, a fairly good pace, and he w- walked into a situation that was clearly rife with um, just all sorts of opportunity for people to just pick him apart. Right. And so from that standpoint, he, he probably delivered what the higher-ups wanted. Handled like a responsible adult and a skilled professional. Right. Yes. Having said that, uh, uh, you know, sometimes Ron Howard movies can leave me a little cold because of that. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. something like Apollo 13 needs that touch. Mm-hmm. I, I actually think A Beautiful Mind is probably, in in my opinion, his best movie because uh-huh. he actually stretched himself stylistically in a way that uh-huh. revealed stuff I'd never seen him do before. Uh-huh. Uh, so, you know, as as a director, solid, great, knows how to tell a story, knows how to, you know, frame a camera, knows yeah, how to yeah. work with actors, did a great job. But the but the juxtaposition of tone of certain scenes kind of threw me off a little bit because I was sitting there going, well, that seems like that's from the other movie. Mm-hmm. And don't you kind of want to see that other movie? Just to come, I mean, wouldn't yeah. you love to see what that would have been it would have been cool it would have been cool Um, interesting yeah we talked about the kessel run i got bored by that i i also thought at one point uh, when we were when we were we'd gotten the coaxium and we were trying to get out of the mine um that may be even worse than uh how how bad a shot stormtroopers are legendarily within this (laughs) oh god yes it was the worst (laughs) shootout i've ever seen in a science everyone was missing everyone there is lit and and by the way this is not across canyons or uh, you know it's not even moving targets it's literally four people at the base of the ramp of the millennium falcon standing there with several of them rather huge and hairy easy to hit targets pulling heavy you know canisters of coaxium like this is an easy shot fellas and they're up against an army of at least multiple dozens so that to me almost i mean in a way i remember thinking is that part of the joke of the lord miller section that they just left out the joke part it's lame and and also i want to be able to go back and look at this when when it's finally released and you can pause it on your on your home system because is it just me or the other Wookiees that Chewie helped rescue <laughs> had these really bad 
masks that like didn't that showed no expression, couldn't move. Yeah. Now, see, I think that we that was one of the other cameos. One of the apes from the beginning of 2001 yeah. was in there. It, that's what it looked like. Yeah. And it so looked like that. We're connecting to Kubrick's universe. Yeah, now. yeah, definitely. Yeah, um, it was... That they was, would kind of just rush by, but every time they would rush by, I'd be like, there's something wrong with that. That doesn't look like a Wookiee. <laughs> didn't spend a lot of time on the other Wookiee costumes. No, no. Um, as I said earlier, a little Woody Harrelson goes a long way for me, and, and I kind of wish that had been slightly more inspired casting. And then for me... This is. Are we talking is, Alden now? Yeah. Okay, I knew it. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, on the positive side, he does a good Harrison Ford. He clearly tried hard, worked very hard, but it's a high bar to clear, and you can make the very easy argument that um, only Harrison Ford does a really good Harrison Ford. Well. I, I take exception to that. Mark Hamill does an amazing Harrison Ford, uh, but voice only. Yeah, yeah, I mean, the thing is, it's it's. I, th- I think I was reading a Deadline or somewhere. Somebody said, uh, you know, this is the equivalent of trying to, uh, you know, cast a, a new Clark Gable in a sequel to Gone with the Wind. Sure, I mean, you've, if you've got an indelible character, you're. you're you're really going to have a tough time winning anybody over to to buy into that character when you've got a brand new face and a brand new That's voice. Right. And also, you know, throw into it, if we're talking timelines, and I, I attributed this to Linda Holmes on Pop Culture Happy Hour, who made a great point. We're seeing this Han Solo not that far previously to when we first meet Han Solo in A New Hope. I mean, mm-hmm. we're really... I mean, if it's a matter of, whatever, space years, um, it's not that far away from when we're going to see him first show up. Mm-hmm. So there's, you know, clearly he doesn't look exactly like him. He's clearly shorter than Harrison right, right, Ford. Right. Um, and I also wonder, again, if maybe there was something going on in the original shooting where he was doing more of a straight kind of impression mm-hmm. and then they tamped that down when Rod Howard took over this is pure conjecture on my part yeah, hard to know. where it wasn't working maybe and so there were elements of it look I, I I I got into the rhythm of it after the first third of the movie I just kind of stopped thinking about it I, I gave myself you just a have break. to accept it it's yeah. the Darren Stevens thing <laughs> you, <laughs> yeah. you gotta swallow it and and I like him as a presence mm-hmm. but he's just not a he's not the most dynamic actor in this movie no i thought he, he the one other thing i'm really familiar with him from is um hail caesar yeah the yeah, Cohen yeah, brothers yeah. movie and i thought as a comic performance really and a very good. broad kind of comic you know accent i thought he was really yeah. really great in yeah that. yeah he was so i don't know him in any other way and to kind of be this rakish whatever um i'm not sure he pulled that off beautifully i mean and he was surrounded by so many other kind of when you got donald glover and the voice of phoebe waller bridge yeah um but they have lower bars like that's you know i love lando calrissian but he's lando he's not han like that's a that's a that's an easier bar to hit Mm -hmm. Uh, i i recognize the tremendous challenge that lay before uh this actor and so i i commend him for his efforts. But. I think that's the difficult thing. If you walk in expecting somebody to embody what Harrison did with yeah, that character, you're not going you're just not going to get it. Yeah, but yeah. you're not going to get that from anybody. Yeah. 
unless they uh, do an uncanny valley version of uh, just nothing but CGI <laughs> Harrison Ford the entire movie. That's and right. that's coming soon. Yeah, you know that's, that's true. happening. That's true. So, um, all in all, I think we picked it apart quite beautifully. Is there anything did. we left out there? No. I, you want to give it a grade or a number or, uh, uh, you know, how many monkey poops on a scale of, of one to five? All I can say is this, and I wish Jason were here so I could look him in the eyes when I say this, uh, it was better than Infinity Wars. <laughs> oh. Okay. All there right. We go. That leads us to a very quick addendum. Now, mm. our previous uh, review episode was uh, Avengers uh, Snarkinity Wars. I don't remember what I called it. Um, the response in this room was generally favorable mm. uh, with some issues and conflicts, and everybody had their thing, but everybody enjoyed it to the point where they wanted to see the next one. Now, uh, immediately after posting that episode, Mr. Calloway here was unable to attend that one. Right, sadly. Um, uh, sadly, I uh, just learned this morning that he has not listened to that. I actually thought it was the episode that generated your email. Um, but it, it turns out it was just Trey needing to vent to somebody. Yeah. And I got the brunt of it. Yeah. And so yeah. your response... Like the day after you saw it, was it, it was the day after I saw it when I was still pissed. <laughs> you actually were angered. I, I was because also the last time I had I had been fortunate enough to uh, plug into the Snarkiverse, it had been after uh, Black Panther. Yeah, and I sat in this room with everyone else, cavalling over how yeah. great that movie was. Yeah, you were uh, ultra. I mean, you were maybe. You and Jason, the most positive out of the whole room. Yeah, and again, always with the asterisk of for a comic book movie. Sure. But still, course. like, really, really good. I love that film. Um, so half the reason I couldn't wait for Infinity Wars was to go back into Wakanda, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. um, and even that didn't well, do it. Wakanda I, was the my least favorite yeah, section of that I movie. I just – here's what I – you so want to read what you wrote? I, I did. I, this is the email I, I sent to to Larry. I, I said, dude, I hated Avengers Infinity War. Seriously. Like, all I wanted to be able to do the whole time is grab a remote with a fast-forward button so I could get to the end. And yes, the end. Was it cool to see main characters die? Sure. Do I think for a single green time stone that they are actually dead? Absolutely not. That movie was a two-hour definition of false jeopardy. And the reason I have grown to increasingly dislike comic book movies in general. Of course, my opinion does not matter since it shattered all box office records known to man. And I have clearly become a cranky old man. But but that was yeah that I yeah. just ugh. and 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 uh, clearly you're wrong. Look, <laughs> I I saw it again last night because my son Alex had yet to see it and he was really excited about it. And I watched it again with a different perspective because I was more than willing to pick it apart this time and also kind of pick up on things that I saw as foreshadowing because yeah, that yeah. was one of the things. If you do ever bother to listen to that episode, you will hear much nerdy conjecture that I have no part of because <laughs> the ones in this room who really know the history of the Marvel Universe, uh-huh. they got into the shit. Uh-huh. Um, but I, at one point, I, just going on the basis of my son, and look, he's not a 12-year-old kid. He's 26 yeah, yeah, years yeah, old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But about halfway through, he kind of pokes me in the ribs and goes, I'm really enjoying this. Uh, and I kind of saw it through his eyes for a second. And, and I did not 
feel even knowing what was coming. So here's the thing, though. It's like when you go to a hotel and they have a big breakfast buffet, uh-huh. and you look at the buffet and you go, "That looks oh, look at all that food. That looks good." And then you pay the money for the buffet, and you always leave with a bellyache. And none of the individual items are any are really any good. They're just they just look good when you put them all together. And and it's it's no different from what Universal used to do back in the day when it would be you know the Wolfman meets oh, no. Dracula meets no. uh, Frankenstein meets I just no mean, that was pure desperation and money grabbing no, and this no is different. a very calculated look we talked about this in the episode the the idea of placing all those characters together in one place does come directly from the storylines of I the books it. I mean there and and look all of those like um it wasn't called Civil Wars. It was uh, uh, what was the one there on the other planet? The, you know the um, God damn it, Thor. No, no, what are you talking about? There, there, is, there was uh, a limited series that brought everybody together oh. that in many ways is kind of the template for this. And I'm sorry. I knew it before. It's out of my brain today. Yeah. I'm so tired. But just because you point back at the books no, that I'm just inspired saying, it, the, those books, again, turned on the same basic money-generating premise that Wolfman meets Dracula meets and, Frankenstein. No, and they, but look, I'm, what I'm saying is they were not as good as the individual storylines, but they were an, events that... All of us who were bought into that really wanted to see. You want to see these guys get together. And I think the Russo brothers have shown that they can very effectively juggle a lot of different storylines. Look, I found this storyline less frustrating than The Last Jedi, where we're going off and following Finn and on this ridiculous, you know, casino crashing thing or whatever. I enjoyed each individual one, except for the Wakanda part, which was just a little too much CGI dog monster thing. The sum is not greater than the parts. Ah. I like watching Iron Man. I like watching Guardians of the Galaxy. I loved watching Black Panther. You don't get enough of any of them when you shove them all together. It's a real estate issue. I don't know. Okay. I agree to disagree. I, I, no, you're wrong. Um, <laughs> look, some people like Diet Coke, and some people, when you're in junior high, you like to go up to the fountain. And, and hit you, the suicide, and yeah. You, yeah, and you mix Sprite with with Mr. Pibb and a little tab and a little orange soda. Again? And you go, mmm, all the flavors at once. And later, you have a bellyache. <laughs> Hotel buffet, my friend. Oh, uh, I guess I can't convince you to go see that a second time. Not going to do it. Revive. Are you going to part two? Um, I, I, I will pay for your ticket. I oh, well, yeah. If it's I, a free movie. Okay. Oh, Are there concessions, well, too? That, that didn't take long. A small popcorn. Okay, All right. fine. Hey, Trey, uh, is there anything that you can tell us about that people should look for right now, or do we have to wait much like the next Avengers uh, until well, 2019? Yeah, no, I'm in work mode right now. So, like I said, I'm doing an Amazon series uh, called Outrider starring Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, that is still in the scripting phase right now. And... Um, and also doing some work on an incredible international co-production uh, 
uh, called Gangsters of Shanghai, which is a, uh, a period crime drama. All right. And, Send uh, all your good snark vibes, Trey's way, to make that happen. Thank it you. it sounds fascinating. Yeah, it's super cool. All right. Well, uh, the, the, next up for the snarkers, uh, aside from some cool interviews that I have uh, on the way, uh, this might actually interest you because, and you will be invited, Trey, mm. uh, schedule permitting. Good. But because you are so down on the idea of all those superheroes in one place, we have decided... That we would organize between now and next year when Avengers um, Part 2 mm-hmm. uh, or 4 or whatever they're calling it uh, <laughs> comes out, that we would go back through every mm. one of the 18 movies in the MCU mm-hmm. and review them movie by movie, starting with Iron Man 1. Wow. And that way you can relive those individual glorious stories all over again if yeah, <laughs> that's a commitment, man. <laughs> it's two a month. It's uh, less than two a month between now and next May. It's a time in my life I'll never get back. No, no. I think it's going to be a joy, it's and I weird. think people really want to hear what you have to say. It's 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 all about the snark for me. So yeah, I'm in. Okay, so maybe Iron Man three. I might just read the Wikipedia page. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Shane. Uh, hey, Trey Calloway. Uh, where can people find you? Uh, you know, uh, at Trey Calloway. That's simple enough. <laughs> all right. Across yeah. the board. That's all I needed. I mm-hmm. wasn't asking for your address. No. <laughs> uh, follow us, like us, uh, Facebook, uh, search at The Snark Monkey uh, pretty much everywhere you go, or at Larry underscore Morgan, and also uh, every night on K-Earth 101 and at K-Earth101.com and radio.com. The greatest hits on Earth. Yeah, I think that's all. And once again, this episode brought to you by Lord & Miller. Oh, those Lord & Miller linens. <laughs> <laughs> so luxurious at half the price. <laughs> you want Ron Howard to be the spokesperson for Lord and Miller sheets, though? <laughs> no, it's 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 Ron Howard comforters. Just a nice bland <laughs> taupe comforter over the luxurious sheets. Lord and Miller sheets. All right, uh, get a monkey, everybody. Get a monkey. Get a monkey. Get a monkey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.